We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I am going to be doing this thing solo or with you all if you'll join me on stage now and again because Josh is uh, taking a personal day and he seems to uh, pick a heck of a day to to not have to deal with the Mavericks crap. I'll tell you, folks, it is uh, 1236 on the East Coast. I am tired. It has been a long week. This has been the fifth Mavs game in a row that's late, and I am just not ready for what the fuck that game was. <sighs> I mean, basketball games were won and lost as a team, but the Dallas Mavericks came out and started the game sloppy with a a tremendously awkward Josh Richardson turnover where he, you know, I I tend to like to say that he he dribbles like he had like he's a spider and he has eight hands and he can't figure out which hand is dribbling the ball sometimes ah <sighs> and you know things just sort of went downhill from there there was electric shooting from both teams if you're looking at the box score heading into the fourth quarter both teams were shooting i want to say right around 50 percent from three and it and and for the the blazers it never really went away they they finished the game uh shooting a preposterous 22 of 47 uh, the Mavericks went two of ten from distance, uh, which resulted in them uh, crumbling. Crumbling is hardly the word, but they finished forty-five percent from three when they were above. Uh, the Mavericks got pummeled on the boards, particularly on the offensive side, with Enos Cantor matching the entire Maverick offensive board output with five all by himself. Uh, the Mavericks, own, uh, the, the Blazers finished with thirteen. I don't have the second chance points total, but that. Those two stats right there, the offensive rebounds and the second chance points, were essentially why the the Blazers got back in uh, and, and took advantage of this game. Uh, 
things just really, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, you guys know where I want to start. I want to torch our, our friend, uh, uh, Chris Dapps Porzingis, who just might be the, the prettiest wall ornament in a game that, that I've ever seen. He just doesn't do stuff often enough. You know, against the, the Blazers, he was, uh, or against the Clippers, he was really quite good in doing things that weren't scoring. Against the Blazers, he was useless. Do you guys, do you guys know, I, I put this in, in a, a piece that just went up. His last defensive rebound was at the 8.30 mark of the third quarter. He didn't get a rebound after, his last rebound was at the 7.30 mark. He played 12 more minutes with no rebounds. That cannot happen. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let uh, Brian up here on stage because he clearly has something to get off his chest. Brian, what's up? Kirk, how's it going? Sorry for the te- technical difficulties earlier today. My apologies there. That's okay. We uh, just kicked you out of the room. That's all good. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you've had a long day, so I want to I be the high-energy guy to help you out here. You've had a long day, sir. Oh, man. Uh, I want to create a montage video of every time there's four Dallas Mavericks, like, underneath the hoop, and KP is nowhere to be found. It's just – it my it's mind-boggling because it's – everybody's underneath the basket, but if you take a picture, you can't see KP. So I'm trying to like envision, okay, maybe he's just at a weird angle. I can't see him. No, he's at the other end of the board. He has no interest, like trying to gather a rebound. And the fact that he got just, he, he was making Anna's Kanter look like 1998 Shaq today. It was just, what, what are we doing here? And I'm, I'm sure well, you saw, <laughs> The, there's a there's an argument which I think has some merit to it of how are the Mavericks using Porzingis? Like there was a turnover that Luca made with Maxi on a pick and roll with KP standing over in the upper right corner, which was kind of the turnover which which broke the Mavericks back that that really ended the game. I I feel if if you were to kind of go watch it again on game flow, and I think that's a fair criticism. Why is KP not the role man? Why is the seven foot three athletic freak not the role man? Uh, it's too cute by half. And that is not KP's decision or Luca's decision. That's a coaching decision by Carlisle out of a timeout. And I hate that crap. But there's just not a lot of activity from the guy. He posts up in the mid-range. He was 3 of 11 shooting. That last post-up where he was at kind of the mid-elbow was horrendous. He had two offensive fouls out of post-ups when he swung his, when he swung was- his elbows through. Like, that was bad and the guy plays so much on momentum which is really relatable and I feel I understand that he probably wants more touches but the thing about this is he is not Luka Doncic Luka is better and more efficient at every aspect of basketball on the offensive end this sort of stuff drives me nuts um Francis wants to come up on stage Francis what's happening oh I missed the I didn't press the button correctly sorry man hi Francis what's happening Hey, nothing much, nothing much, man. Um, I understand your KP concerns, but <laughs> but the thing that I kind of want to focus on is that's not getting talked about is the free throws for Luca. Luca is getting beat up, and I feel like back even last year he was up in the eight to nine free throws a game, and this game it felt like he only got like three or four, and he was just getting absolutely abused on his way to the hoop and that can continue to be a problem for us like I feel like that's a big issue 
Well, I think there's something to that. I really do. But it's hard when he has a bit of an earned reputation for griping about things that aren't uh, as important. So the one where he got the technical foul, he was absolutely slapped by Cantor. You could hear it. I rewound and watched it again. And the ref didn't see it because Luca's big old ass blocked the, <laughs> blocked the whole thing. You know, like he's a big, he's a big man. And Shaq, you know, like, like Giannis has this problem. It's, it's, it's very, it's, it's sometimes very difficult to referee Luca because he just, he moves like he's in slow motion. Like, uh, I, I spent way too much time last night watching the, the new justice league movie. And sometimes Luca was like moving like the flash where it's just like, there's electricity around him, but he's not actually going anywhere. And Good then he gets hit like three times. And I get it. I get it. And I think the Mavs will probably, you know, kind of bark that up the chain as the year goes along, uh, partic- particularly when they have these these instances of game tape where it's really obvious. But I don't think there's much to do about it. Luka kind of has to pay the price for, for two and a half years of constantly barking. Uh, the reputation around him is not really – he doesn't do it as much. Um, I talk about this a lot in, in slacks and in DMs, like uh, particularly with people who are kind of casual Mavs fans. He, he really hasn't done it as much this season, probably outside of the first 20 games. He really got better at it, but this is just kind of something he's going to have to live with. I don't want him to have to keep living with it though. <laughs> I feel you, man. I really, really do. But this is something that I think they're going to have to work through. Um, let's see here. I'm going to, uh, invite, I'm going to invite a lot of people on stage tonight if we can. Lance, what's happening? Lance. How's it going, Kirk? Good. How you doing, man? What's up? I'm doing good. Knowing you, you probably already led with KP. Is that safe <laughs> to assume? Okay. Yeah, a little bit. I started there, but, you know, I don't know what's fair because when I start talking about him out loud, it feels a lot worse than typing about it. Like, when I type about it, I'm like, oh, this is fine. This is a normal take. Then I say it out loud, and I sound like a champion asshole. But right. I, I, I just – I'm so frustrated by him because we, when he plays great, you know, you get the, you get the tweets from uh, Chuck Cooperstein <laughs> and from Skin and from the people that work for the team that are like, you are nuts. Not me specifically, but those of us who get mad about him are nuts for wanting the Mavs to trade him. And you look at what he does when he's on, and it's like, yeah, you really got – you're not wrong, but – the the inconsistency because of how the NBA is played now. I mean, most teams have guys that are like all sorts of guys that that are like six seventy that can get under KP and cause him problems. And when his shot doesn't fall, he gets so irritated. Gets so irritated. It's 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 just kind of one of those one of those things. Um, do you have any any specific thing you want oh, you want to bring yes. up? I got a lot. I'm, a lot yes. of people are pinging to talk, okay. so I want so to bring everybody up. This is a thing. I I have been a KP truther this whole season. I have not, you know, I've been trying to. I don't not not saying ignore, but kind of downplay his deficiencies. But when you got Derek Jones Jr. guarding you on multiple possessions, and you can fail to get like a decent shot at the rim. Or just a decent face up, and I and I will admit some of those elbow foul calls are bogus. But at the same time, he should know. Hey, maybe I shouldn't be just liberally swinging them around because that's how they're calling me tonight. But yeah, he didn't learn. And could the right, handed man. The, so the one, the second one where he swung through twice and he got the offensive foul call. Could the right-handed man use a power dribble, go right, and dunk the piss out of the ball? Is that asking too much when you're being guarded by a small man? I mean, no. the guy, it, it, <laughs> but, and that's the so thing. Crazy. Like, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a huge fan of KP, but I'm an advocate for KP this season. Like, I'm like, he's going to turn around. 
He's going to be okay. He's shown flashes. He's played so, much better. Much yes. better. I, but I, THJ, I, I know, like, defensively, I mean, it's a given that THJ is going to stink on defense, but uh, that's at this point, that's a, a point of no return. But THJ really pulled multiple rabbits out of his ass tonight to even yeah. keep it close. Because, I mean, Luca was doing everything. Obviously, THJ pulled out some crazy shots. Iwandu, out of nowhere, was making key role-player decisions. Meanwhile, KP, I mean, yeah, people are like, oh, he's in the corner. I was like, well, there's probably a reason why, you know, he's not being deployed as a roller as much. Maybe he just can't do it right now. But, like, when you have these simple um, assignments or these smaller guards, because that's what they're doing. Remember how Dirk used to have the smaller guards on him, and he used to shoot over him and make it, or he would drive it to the cup. KP's not doing it. They're, like, he, forcing him to do it, and he cannot do it. KP's center of gravity is a lot higher than Dirk. Dirk built up a low base of support and would box that and would kind of get low on his post-ups and then had unbelievable core strength uh, to kind of power through a lot of the the stuff that KP tries to do a little too casually. That last air ball where over oh, – that was – it was a low camera angle, at least it was for me on mm-hmm. NBA TV. And that's the kind of shot where you – like. That that Sean Marion used to get up under Dirk that way when he was with the Suns, and then Dirk really eventually figured it out by the time that the Mavericks won the championship, where that sort of stuff just didn't bother him. And I think KP could get there if the Mavericks were that kind of team, but he's right. never going to get these kind of looks. And I think we got to stop. You know, it, you go to it twice, fine. If it works, you go to it more. You don't go to it like six times when it wasn't no. working. Now, to me, I got one more question for you, Kirk, sure. and I'll fall back. To me, that was when the game fell to shit. I, I swear the, the momentum just stank after that terrible shot because I'm not going to be a, a, you know, like I'm, I'm a player, like I know exactly what's going on with the morale. But to me, it just felt like the room fell flat after he did attempt it. Because it's probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, it's not working. But yet again, here we are. And I feel really bad that I'm saying this because, like I said, I've been on KP's side this whole season. Portland is one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Yeah. <laughs> and their best defensive uh, rim protector is not even there. Like, they have Canner. And, and yes, Canner is good on the f- offensive boards, but he's terrible at defense. But Dallas could not make him pay tonight. It's it's very – it's I just – I don't know what to do. The the Portland was on the back of a, of a – back end of a back-to-back and looked like they were filled with energy. And this is just going to be one of these frustrating losses in a season full of them, I think. Um, all right, I'm going to bring up Andrew here. He's been waiting patiently. Andrew, how you doing? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Excellent. Uh, I just want to ask a question real quick and sure. uh, leave it all to the whole group, uh, including the chat. And then uh, I'll kind of explain it, and then I'll just uh, mute myself. So as far as – and I think Brian brought it up uh, – the minutes. Now, I know we've – uh, you've talked about it at nauseum, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Thunder game. If we're going to use that as a throwaway game, why not take minutes away from people like Josh Richardson, uh, Kleba, and the other uh, seven-man rotation that Rick's been basically shoving down Maz fans' throats? Why... I, I feel like this is uh, a game where everybody just got tired in the fourth. Like the the Trailblazers shot almost forty seven percent from three, and it looked like a team that was gassed from 
a uh, playoff rotation. I mean, I think that is is very. It, it it's kind of it's something we've been worried about, and and then tonight is is essentially the payoff for the worry where, you know, uh, two days ago, I think someone said in the chat, like, oh, these guys, some of these guys are young. You don't need to be worrying about these minutes. And that was really, really, I, I think, you know, sort of the sum of all, all, all of our fears that, that felt a little over overblown earlier. I, I don't know why the Mavericks do these sorts of things in games like that, where this one, we knew this stretch was going to stink. The Ma- you know, I, I told everybody before the Clippers game or before the Clippers game even started, if the Mavs can go two and two over these next four, I'm going to be really excited. And they still could because they they could come back out and beat Portland. Uh, you know, they're they're a heck of a basketball team. But the games where it feels like they give them away are what's so frustrating. You are absolutely right that everyone looked gassed by the fourth quarter. Um, it, it, it's I'm not sure what what they do about this sort of thing. Brian, do you have any thoughts? Well, I mean. Can, I don't want to just say the generic take of, hey, maybe we should actually call play these rookies that we called up, but uh, I guess we're not doing that. Now, interesting uh, tidbit that came up in the Stein room today, Kirk. I'm sure you heard that. Uh, Jesse uh, actually brought up a good point. So Terrell Terry apparently is MIA, and he's deleted his Instagram account, so hopefully he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like so, I mean, no. Like Jesse brought up a good point. Hopefully, he's in, he's in like a good headspace, good health. Right. Um. You know, still we we play. You're not gonna. I'm sorry. When you're playing West Wandu twenty minutes, you're probably not gonna win a game. And if they're gonna just bitch and moan saying, "Oh well, we didn't have Dorian tonight," you know, it's okay. Well, he'll be back on Sunday. What happens if you lose Sunday? You don't have Dorian. Like, what? What else are you gonna fall back on? And that's so infuriating. I don't know who to be mad at because we we had this conversation I think like a, a couple weeks ago or if not last week Kirk I mean I'm losing track of these conversations at this point but if what was the point of bringing up these guys if you're not going to play them you need bodies because how Carlisle did his minutes tonight were so strange you you have Brunson who goes 40 minutes 35 minutes sometimes and he he got less minutes. And uh, Wes, uh, Wes Wandu got more minutes than Wes, uh, Jalen Brunson tonight. I mean, what are we doing yeah. here? What are we doing? Well, like, there, there's I, a little bit of the the Brunson thing in specific, I think, is at least worth addressing. I think a couple people noted it in the chat. Brunson's playing like a man in quicksand. Uh, <laughs> that first, like, you, you can't go into the game and turn over the ball immediately. You just, that that sort of stuff is going to put, put you in Rick's doghouse. Dog house. At that point, he had had... He he committed six turnovers in his last fifteen minutes of basketball. Uh, that that was at, at that point in the game, and you know he kind of got it together, but then he fell down a little later. I really don't understand. I, I, I there's got to be something with the way that the rotation's a little messed up at the moment with Dorian Finney-Smith being out because he and Hardaway had played so well off the bench, and and these problems just they they become compounding issues where Luca can't save you, and if Porzingis is going to play how he played, it, it's sort of written in the stars. I mean. Uh, Wonder's minutes were good, but you can't count on good at one new minutes. So, so I, I really think that's that's a good point about the the minutes. I'm going to bring up uh, here somebody who's been waiting a bit in uh, Grayson. Grayson, what's going on? Hi, Grayson. You able to you able to talk? There he is. Hey, had to hit the unmute. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Well, that's uh, okay. 
Look, I, I mean, my Twitter feed was a disaster tonight with Perzingis. I don't want to just, you know, come in here and destroy him. But my biggest concern with him is was his shot selection tonight. It just felt like every time he took a shot, I was just had my head in my hands. Yes. It's just – it was crazy. Like, where are the post moves? I mean, he's 7-3. He's getting guarded by guys that are, like, 6-6. Six, six, and he's just taking fadeaway shots like he's Dirk, and he is not Dirk. Uh that it was driving me crazy tonight. That's that's all I really have to say. It, it, yeah, and that goes back to a little bit of what we've already mentioned about his his size and his balance. And he, so much of what an NBA player wants to do, um, are it, it's about what a guy wants to do at, at a certain point. So he's getting paid thirty million dollars. He thinks in his head he should do X Y Z things. And and I, I noticed there's I can't remember which site he writes for. His name's Abe. He's out there in Mavs Twitter, and he. He said, you know, Porzingis was brought here to be a cornerstone, and he's not. He's a role player. Well, he's not a role player. It's just Luka is so much better than everyone else that he has to adjust. And when he adjusts, the Mavs win. When he does it and he wants to do something else, you can see what happens. It, and, and, you know, if you really go back and look at his last 12 games, he's been hitting shots. He's not beginning the free throw line. He had four free throws tonight, which is his, his most – that he's had in, in, in at least – I could be wrong in the game log, but four or five he, – he's not had more than five free throws in a long time, and he's has games where he gets one or two. And for a guy that's that tall and should be playing – I don't want him having post moves. I want him playing at the rim. And they did that a couple of nights ago against the Clippers, and that was really nice. And he just, he just doesn't really – it's just when, when he's off on offense, he has to be able to contribute other places, and he simply wasn't good enough tonight. And and that's that's basically kind of what it what it all boils boils back to. Um, do you got anything else before I bring somebody else up? Uh, any chance they still trade him? I don't think they do this season. I think they got to power through it, and I think maybe they consider it. But the the overarching problem for those of us who want them to move him is that their their record with KP and Luca is it like they win like sixty percent of their games. And on paper, you read that and you look at the big picture, it's hard to argue against that. But then you have these games against the kind of teams that you have to beat if you want to win a playoff series, and you don't know what to do because he just doesn't play well enough, often enough. All right, thanks, man. I'm going to bring uh, Christian here up on stage. Christian, what's going on? Hey, Kirk. How you doing, brother? I'm great. Thanks for coming up. Yeah, so, I mean, I I think, you know, kind of everyone in here, we're frustrated by you know numerous things um you know shout out to Wes Awundu like to be a hundred percent honest I am more than thrilled with how he actually played in the minutes that he got um but I think the biggest thing is like we have maybe like seven players that are good enough to play 20 minutes a game or more that I'm comfortable with and, you know, if it's not flipping for, you know, a night in, night out starter, whatever the case, like we have to make some moves around the fringes. Even, you know, Miami, I, I could be wrong, but I think it was a late second round pick, like 20, 25, 20, something like that for Trevor Ariza. Like, I mean – Almost anybody, I don't know if I've just gotten to the point where I'm desperate because, you know, every time Ariza's trade, it's like, oh, he's the missing piece, like when he was with the Blazers. Um, but I, I really feel like, you know, some guys that maybe we can 
attach a contract to with a second rounder or two second rounders, something like that. And when you look at a team like the Trailblazers, like look top to bottom. I mean, they're missing Nurkic. They're missing uh, Zach Collins. Like they're missing some players that play, you know, significant or somewhat significant roles. But they still have like at least eight, you know, nine guys that could get in there, you know, contribute in whatever their role is. And it, it just it's frustrating, like just not having those guys to whether it be taking some minutes off or, you know, key in their role. And even when it comes to the buyout market, like I'm not sure who's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Dallas over the Nets or something, you know, but I just think. We have to make, at minimum, a couple moves around the fringes. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? So, on Friend of the Show, you know, Dalton and Matt Glatson's podcast, Mark Cuban talked about continuity. Then, three days later, maybe it was like the next day, Mark Stein, on his locker room, told uh, uh, Tim Yeager, who you all should know as House Mavericks, that he's heard the, and, and heard from the Mavericks that they're fairly disappointed at how this has gone. They thought they would be better, even moving past some of the excuse-based stuff, you know, your COVIDs, your things that injuries, your things everybody has to deal with. So that they thought they were going to be better, in my mind, paints the picture of a team where there is a disconnect of note between the coach and the front office. Because the Mavericks built this team you know, I remember being very excited between draft night and free agency, thinking that they at least had some guys that were, you know, different different wing options that Carl would be able to use and play with. You know, Wes Awundu was somebody who uh, my, my friend Matt Moore told me that I was going to hate, but would be a pretty good defender. And, you know, look what happened tonight. He's pretty good, but, you know, he still can't shoot. But, hey, at least he passed, you know, passed the ball a little bit. So, so there's – and then, you know, Carl won't play the rookies. And – for you know, we had a little chat earlier today with uh, anybody that joined in, and and you know, people who who keep comparing Josh Green to to Justin Anderson need to go look at Justin Anderson's rookie year game log. This is much much worse because uh, uh, Justin Anderson got on the floor on a team that statistically wasn't really that much different than this. Like they were kind of an eight seed grinding, and and uh, you you know that guy got on the floor. So there's there's just a, a an issue with how the Mavericks think they the team that they put together versus the team Carlisle rolls out and as we've talked about twice with kind of the the minutes rotations he doesn't trust any of them and if he doesn't trust any of them they're not going to play and and so they're I really don't know if they're going to make any moves because what do the moves really fix the underlying issue is that from top to bottom the Mavs have a generational superstar a guy who's very good on paper but really only has four to six good weeks every year then gets hurt. And then they have a bunch of guys who are, who are kind of, you know, they had six dudes last year, shoot uh, career highs from three. And to expect that again, is just not necessarily fair. Um, you know, Dorian has been missed on defense, but you know, as, as Rye pointed out in the chat, I don't miss that guy on offense, but he does add some depth to the team. So there's, but he's, you know, he, he's he's a guy who's maximized his opportunities. He's not gonna, you know, he's not getting better. He, 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 everybody wants him to go back to the first thirty games last season where he shot forty percent from three. Guys, I got news for you, that ain't happening. He, he's been this guy. He has, you know, he has a ton of threes if you look at his his to, total scores. So I I, I don't want to say the season's lost because you know you got Luca, you got something. But 
if they don't move anything, I, I do think it's kind of start time. It's it's time to say, okay, where do they go from here? Where do they go next year? How far can they get? What do they have that works? I mean, it's pretty hilarious that Tim Hardaway Jr. is this important to the team. They've really they've really gotten a, a lot of value out of him. He's incredibly streaky, as the chat has pointed out. But I, I really think that there's there's something there. Um, uh, all right, I'm going to invite. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to mention one quick thing before uh, you know appreciate it, but. You know, I remember in the draft, too, when we were at 18, I was like, there's there's three players that I feel we can uh, – well, for one of them, I thought we might have to trade up. But there's three players that I think can play a role immediately. Now, who knows if Rick would have done it, And but they were Sadiq Bey, uh, Maxi, and then um, Bain. Aaron Bain. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. To where it's like, look, at the end of the day, they might not have the ceiling some others do. Um, and when Sadiq fell, I, I was like jumping in the air like, oh, my God, this is going to happen just to get Josh Green. And look, we don't know what we have because he you know, hasn't played. But at the same time, it was I was hoping with an older uh, some of these guys being a little bit older, like Sadiq and Baines, that we might have that chance where it's like, you know, this guy could come in, be a role player for an extended period of time. Like Baines uh, and Sadiq are going to be key role players for, you know, who knows how long if they, you know, stay uh, injury free. But knowing Rick, that's why I kind of grimaced when Josh Green was picked. I knew he was athletic. He was a bit younger, might have a little bit higher of a ceiling. But I almost kind of knew uh, that he wasn't going to play. So it's even like mistakes like that in the draft that, you know, just stack on top of the free agency uh, misses or, you know, lack of attempt. Um, and that's been part of my frustration too, is knowing what's possible and, you know, it not being there. But yeah, I appreciate Sure thing, man. All right. I'm going to bring Josh up. Who's been waiting a while. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um, thanks for having me up here. I, I would ask you how you're doing, but after the KP rant, I have a good idea how you're I'm doing. I'm better now. This is therapy. Okay. We're in this together. Okay. okay? There's good. 50 people in here. We're having a great time. We're going to feel better by the end of the day and be ready for Sunday. Right, guys? Right. Right. Hopefully. Um, so some of the things that the previous guests said like, were the same things I said on the last time I was up here. Um, but something I've been hearing a lot of us mention are like Rick Carlisle with minutes. And I remember I mentioned last time Carlisle with rookies. When are we going to start looking at Carlisle as potentially being on the hot seat here? Uh, I mean, I, like, I, 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 I love coach. I, I love the coach. He's a good guy. I had like a small interaction with him before. Great guy. But we, we got to ask this question at some well, point. Uh, just before I answer your question, I'm going to tell everybody a quick story. So the last time I went to a game as media, when I was play acting, even though I'm like at it as a, a website, I, I, I did go to, to, to some games as media and then just kind of decided it was not for me. And the one time I decided it was not for me was, I think it was like New Year's Day 2013. The Mavericks are playing here in Washington, D.C. And I got uh, I got credentialed and I'm... I got to go to like you go in to shoot around and you can kind of watch a guy shoot around and you got then you got to leave. Well, I wasn't really paying attention that shoot around had ended and Carlisle was like, "You, what are you doing in here?" And I was like, "Is he talking to me?" And he was like, "Get out!" And like I, you know, 
I, that man scared the life out of me. I mean, I, I was just like, what is happening? And I was hung over as hell because it was New Year's Day. And I was just like, oh, no. This is like, I felt my soul leaving my body. Um, anyhow, so to answer your question, the, the real challenge becomes who do you replace him with? And there aren't many good NBA coaches. Uh, just just going to be, you know, really honest with you. Because the, there, there comes a, you need to you find the perfect pairing of guy who works with your players and guy who also has the strategic chops to be able to do it. And that was what made the 2011 Mavericks, 2010, 2011 Mavericks so good because they essentially had three head coaches on the bench along with Stotts and, uh, oh God, what's the other guy? He's up in Detroit now. Uh, or is he up? Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Dwayne Dwayne Casey, like just a real solid bench. I've not really loved Carlisle's bench of coaches for a while, but I don't want to say anything. It's too sassy because I I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to that thing. So, so to answer that question, you kind of got to figure out who you're going to replace him with. And the answer is likely no one. Because until Luka Doncic gets sick of his shit, he's going to stay as Mavericks head coach. It's it's kind of what that that's kind of what the the big picture thing comes down to. So, I like the question though because we don't really talk about that sort of thing enough. But when you bring it up, you at least need to talk about it and say, okay, this is why it's probably not going to happen. Um, um, you know, he's 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 a heck of a coach. I've only known three right. Mavericks coaches my entire like Mavs fan time here. So. All right. Uh, who's next here? Uh, Andrew, I'm going to bring you back up. Andrew, what's happening? Hello again. Uh, I just had a few thoughts on some of the great comments and questions from the previous guests. Uh, I believe Grayson mentioned something about Dirk and our uh, KP and his post moves. And I would, and you mentioned something about uh, Carlisle's assistant coaches. Winch, uh, and I believe, Cuban in uh, Dirk's retirement speech said he would have a job whenever he wants. Now, I'm not saying he wants to go back to basketball, but wouldn't you be willing to pay pay whatever to have Dirk teach some of these guys like positioning and just like overall just strength and conditioning? Because, like you said, he he what how, he was an underrated type of old man strong towards the end of his career. And I think it helped him in that 2011 finals uh, as far as just, like, being able to dominate in the – Absolutely. I mean – post in the wing. Dirk's athleticism and strength is probably one of the things that really get overlooked because people want to focus on his shooting and sort of his mechanics. But to answer your question, I I don't know what his deal is. I recommend if you have the opportunity, Mark Stein does these and he was on today and there's about as many people in mine as there was in his. And he took questions from people for like an hour and a half and kind of answered all sorts of stuff. So like, that's the kind of question where he actually might know some things where it's like, does Dirk have any interest in getting back into coaching? Does he want to play basketball or does he want to do basketball stuff? Or is he happy with his kids? I, I, I do because, you know, the post stuff is just not taught like it's used to because guys don't grow up playing it. They're out there in space. So I, I think that's a good question. So, all right. Um, I'm going to bring, let's see here. Saeed's been waiting. How you doing, man? Hello. How are you? Good, good. How are you? All right. I just want to, uh, let's, I guess, let's start off with somewhat positives. Um, I liked 
I like the windows minutes. Um, I kind of feel like at this point he's deathly afraid to even put up a shot. So he, maybe that's forcing him to pass a little bit more, but he's defending, um, especially with DFS out, looked really well, looked really good. Uh, Maxi on the defensive end looked looked better, just the, that chase down, or not the chase down block, that block he had. Um, I don't remember if it was McCollum or um, Dame going to the rim. Looked good. Um, his shots are finally falling. THJ, weirdly, as inconsistent as he's been, he also seems like one of our more consistent players. If you kind of get what I mean. Um, I do. But... When he plays well, the Mavs look good. When he doesn't play well. <laughs> and then I guess my one, uh, I guess if I was going to make an excuse for Jay Rich, it would be kind of felt like because THJ was also out there, he was somewhat playing 2-1-1 versus both Dame and CJ, where he was pretty much just chasing the ball around. Yeah. I kind of felt like he was gassed at the end, where his and especially because he was missing easy layups too. Yeah. Um, and okay, so now for while we're all here, I guess. Um, at this point, I just want to get off this KP roller coaster. Like, it honestly kind of somewhat feels like he, if his first two three shots don't drop, his entire like body language changes. Where, if for lack of better terms, he kind of turns into like a kid who's not getting his way. So even – he's not a great rebounder, but he gets pushed off. Even on defense, he just kind of feels like he doesn't really want to be out there. And if this is going to happen, if he misses his first five shots or something like that, then at this point I would love to get him moved, but I don't know if they'll be able to do it. Um, and then Powell's minutes still make zero sense at all to me whatsoever, other than, I guess, being there to stand beside Cantor. So you can get more offensive rebounds. I don't really understand the point of me out there. I love when I mute myself and I forget that I've muted myself and there's no <laughs> talking. It's it's really it's really oh, oh my we have a Knicks fan. I, I what I assume is a, is a is a Knicks fan that wants to join. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to let him talk just so he can he can assass us a little bit for KP. Um, the, it, it's it, it's just kind of one of those frustrating games. I mean, I feel better after having yelled into the void, um, and I'm probably going to get grief about this later. But you know, it, it, to ex- there's the excuse making for the things that happened with the Mavericks. Sometimes I do really buy into, like I buy into the fact that they got tired. I think that's an excuse that I can live with. I can't buy into some of the things where it's just like I pointed out earlier. KP had no rebounds in the final 12 minutes that he played. Luca took a bunch. But I, I just expecting more out of the guy who gets paid. Like he is currently the highest paid Maverick. Expecting more mm-hmm. out of that is okay. Mm-hmm. And the excuse making industry that exists around him between people that want to see him do well and ignore the flaws, and then the Mavericks who who themselves have to sort. You know they can't kill him. You know you don't want to. And KP is such a media savvy guy. He says things like an angry girlfriend when he when he goes and, and he's unhappy about something. He's just like, well, I'm just playing the way I've, I can to make sure that the team does the best. And it's like, uh, you know, and you feel for him. Some of it, it's like uh-huh. earlier when I pointed out he was over in the corner for no good reason. It's like, yeah, okay, he should be pissed about that. Why is he not the role man? Uh, but then there are other times where it's like, okay, did you, you, you picked up two offensive fouls swinging your elbows like a goof. What are we doing? Like, like, don't do that. Like those are those are things within your control. Don't do those things. So, 
But the good part, I mean, the the, the Panda Hank uh, pointed out on on Twitter that the Mavericks are zero and eight when uh, Josh Richardson scores ten points or less, <laughs> or I'm sorry, that scores single digits. So that's something that feels pretty real. Where where maybe they they need to kind of work some you know easy offense for that guy now and again. Mm-hmm. And and his shots tonight were all woof. Uh, the last layup where he claims he was fouled by Dame, I kind of want to go watch again where he threw it over the background backboard. I mean that that feels like the kind of shot I would take if I had to play pickup these these days. So yeah, um, Asir, do you got anything else before I bring somebody else up? Uh, one more thing, I guess. Uh, going the, off the angry girlfriend comment, one thing that I'm somewhat afraid of is if he has too many of these games in a row, um, where he starts maybe just retracting back from the team as a whole and does end up demanding a trade, does that kind of tank every or like any value that they have on them? Because at this point, if if your teammates see you kind of coasting up and down the floor, not really putting up much effort, and you're not really helping on the offensive side, you're kind of already might lose them too, you know? That I, I just don't think he actually does anything like that. He's too savvy. Even his his trade request out of the Knicks was not – it wasn't him saying it. He does a lot mm-hmm. through his actions, and mm-hmm. that's not – there's certain things where a guy will win the argument whether he's right or wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I just don't think – you know, when you're playing with a all-NBA-level talent, that what's he going to say? That It's sort of a losing argument for him in the long term. All right, well, these, are, these are good questions. I appreciate it. I'm going to bring up uh, – oh, yes, Tyler. Tyler, what's up? Um, not, not to make you more mad than you really are, <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted to point out how losses like tonight uh, allude to the front office's uh, measured approach to team building. I mean, if you look at the 2019 free agency, 2020 free agency, how they worked the trade markets in both seasons, uh, they're trying to make like minimal moves, like they just won the championship. But the, the reality is when you have you know, Luca and the guy that the owner calls a uh, top 20 player, you should probably be making more aggressive moves. That way you're not having, you know, Wes won't do play 20 minutes off of the bench. But, hey, what do I know? Well, you, I mean, you know I agree with this. But I what I, what I want to know, or, or, just playing some devil's advocate here, where they are now – can't really be helped because there's not a ton they can do at the moment. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, like they, like I said it earlier on Twitter, like they put themselves in the corner. They yes. have a bunch of role players on their roster that have no upside. And then any of the rookies that they have and young guys that they have, they don't play them enough to where they have any trade value. Like if I'm oh, another yeah. team, I don't look at Josh Green and Tyler, Tyrell Terry and I would say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get a guy who's shooting 20% from the field and doesn't know how to make a, like, you know, a baseline cut. So, well, and and it, Cuban's the real one who should get excoriated over this because the, it was a clear plan going back to 2019 to save money for Giannis, which we it's, it was stupid then. Josh and I called it stupid then. People yelled at us. Uh, the Mavericks yelled at me um, in particular when when I lost it on the, our free agency podcast that night because at that point I didn't understand that people actually listened to our podcast. Like I kind of just felt like it was the thing that I was doing for me. And then I got a couple of messages where it's like, hey, you you need to chill with this. And it's like, the the thing about that was, though, I was right. So, no, I didn't need to chill. Um, the, the, it, it's just very strange to, to see 
the kind of mistakes just continue to 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 rear their heads because they they just can't do much right now. You know the 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 KP thing. Teams that 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 have that opportunity are going to make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred because when KP and Luca work, it works. There, you know, as much as I complain, and even on the day of the trade, you can go find my Twitter timeline where I'm like, I don't know, this guy has 13 lower body injuries all to one side. That should scare us, but I still get why they did it because it, it really moved their timetable in theory. Um, but it's it's this stuff just kind of all rolls together where where you know the Mavericks haven't spent in a decade. They they're always saving cap space and they're saving money for Mr. Cuban. And it's not my money. I want the Mavericks to have the best team possible. And there's not near enough of that sort of criticism coming out of the Dallas media angle because it's, 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 you know, we're, we're, we, we have a fair amount of, of journalism that's based off of friendly access and you probably don't want to piss off that guy. I mean, I get it. I wouldn't want to say it to him either. That's why I don't actually talk to, to, you know, I don't want to talk to players or any of that stuff. I'd probably be a big coward. Um, Let's see here. We, you got what? What else do you got before I bring up uh, somebody else? Um, I was gonna say, you know, maybe if you want to have somebody from Mavericks Moneyball write an expose over how the Mavericks misused their cap space and spent a week and a half trying to woo Danny Green, that'd be good. But you know, <laughs> maybe soon. <laughs> we probably will at one point. But uh, Josh is like the guy to do that because Josh is a a good writer and b like doesn't he only he uses cursing like sparingly. <laughs> Whereas me, I'm just like, <laughs> F-bomb, this was stupid. But it's, it's something we'll have to look back at. But, you know, this offseason, you know, we, I, I've even managed to bring uh, Happy Dalton down to, to, hey, this is if they mess this up, then I'm going to be mad kind of thing. And, you know, Dalton's like the happiest person on the planet. So the so Lord knows what will happen there. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Kirk, could I, like, fan the flame a little bit to saving Cuban money? Sure. So, okay, uh, I want to counter that argument, right? So – Daryl Morey, before he left to go to Philadelphia, I'm pretty sure he was finding cheap uh, labor off the streets. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, I don't think he was playing with the Los Angeles Lakers and they needed to move heaven and earth to get him. Like Eddie House, there's like people out there, but the lack of creativity from this front office is so frustrating because they want to pitch this mythical dragon that we've been chasing for 10 goddamn years now and it's not happening man i'm so sorry that like i have to be another person to say this but stop dreaming that dream man it is not happening like i know north texas won their first like tournament game tonight and i didn't i did not think that was gonna happen but that was more realistic than Giannis coming to dallas i'm so sorry but there could be moves made but they just have this clear block vision where they just think they're hot shit and i'm sorry they're not they are not, and that's what the, it's so frustrating about the front office because I, I feel Carlisle has a vision. He wants to have better players to have. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, I think it's fair to, for us to kind of pick and Paul at Rick, like, as far as these players he has to play. He has to play Western Wanju 20 minutes, you know? Like, he doesn't want to. He's had to, like, go through all these druthers of players. Uh, like, He's had a freaking team with Samuel Gallenbear as a starting center, and he was able to push that turn of a team to seven games against the Spur- like the championship Spurs. You know what I mean? He's been playing with like hardly anything. Like you can only push so many square blocks in a round hole, and maybe eventually some of them will fit. So 
like I don't know what else he can really do in situations like that. And to be quite honest, I don't know if any this has been pitched by anybody, Kurt. The biggest offseason move that Mavericks could make is get the uh, uh, his name escapes me. I apologize. The president of Tor- the Toronto Raptors, that's a free agent. He needs to be in the front office of Dallas Mavericks at tomorrow. I, I mean, you'll be uh, first of all. I, I'm just stunned at your slanderous for a uh, slander statement about Samuel Pizza Hands Dallenbear. I, 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 you know, the man who did the splits for my favorite media picture of all time. I just, I, I can't believe it. No, you, you know, I agree. This is, this is, is, is frustrating. It's, it's, it's where we are though, and I think we're just going to kind of have to kind of come to terms with it. It should be a very boring trade deadline, even though we're just going to keep talking about it. I'm going to bring Josh back up because I think he has another question. Josh, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, th- thanks for bringing me back up. It's it's not like a question. It's just more like fanning the flames. Sure. Again. <laughs> like what Brian was saying. Brian almost hit everything I was going to say, except like what has our biggest free agency signing been in the last two years? I can only think of two. Okay, three. Harrison Barnes, Chandler Parsons, DeAndre Jordan. We are not hot shit. We need to cut this this out this has been getting frustrating because like ever since 2011 they've had this mindset of okay we'll chase the stars the stars don't want to come to dallas for some reason we just have to accept that it's it's just well i mean i i agree but our you know we get the fans get flamed by by the fact that our owner is always out talking always out giving quotes you can tell which media people are exchanging email messages with him during free agency. It ain't me. When you see yeah. two people use the, when you see two or three people use a lot of the same words, where it's like "hold on to your butts" type, type nonsense. Like you know, they're all talking to one another. It's it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. And we, you know, and and you know, Fish doesn't do it as much because Dalton and those guys. But Fish was was guilty of this all the time five or six years ago, where it's like ah, the Mavs have. You know the the dust chip. Do you guys remember all that crap? Or, or yeah, like too like no no no. That, no. You're really, good. Like, you know, and I'm not. I don't want to kill other people's work because I I'm friends with all these dudes, and it's tough because when somebody gives you a good quote, you got to run with it. But I'm just not interested in buying the bullshit, which is I think why why you know people I really make some people mad and other people really like talking to me. So it's 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 you know it's just sort of where we are. I think we're gonna have to. You know, the bottom line is we're really blessed because we have have a superstar. In Luca, and then that's what also makes us really mad because it feels like we're not maximizing years like this. And the there's just kind of a base assumption that that Dirk is like Luca, and he ain't. And we need to figure something out because you know I don't see him walking away from 200 million or anything like that. But it, it, it's going to be a little wonky sometimes. Um, yep. All right, I'm going to go sorry. Ahead. I, I do have like a quick question. Um, sure. Do you think? Uh, Cubans, because he made a comment in the past. I don't recall how long ago it was, but basically it was him not being a fan of AAU. Um, do you think that has like a role on um, like how current players are viewing the Mavericks? Because there's been so many young talent that's been coming up since those comments were made. I think it was like five, six years ago. He has so many bad comments that it's hard to know where to start. I mean, for as much great stuff as he does for the Dallas community, there was a statement he made earlier than, you know, it was less than five years ago where he talked about if he saw a guy with a hoodie up, he'd cross the street. Like, really awkward shit. And, and you know, like, like the kind of things that, you know, like, like I don't know about you, like my parents are in their mid-70s, and every now and again they all they utter something where I'm like, Mom, you can't say that. 
Cuban does that, only he's the owner of a team. He's gotten a lot better. He's a smart guy. He, he means well. But there's a reason that owners don't go on television. He's the only owner that does this stuff. I mean, he was on like the like Ryan Seacrest talking about the Mavericks a, or, earlier this week. And it's just like, what is happening? And I tell you what, that the Maverick, like, like players look at that stuff. Do you remember the Russell Westbrook MVP comments from a couple of years yep. ago? Players and no, agents, I, he, he dogged Russell Westbrook saying how he wasn't a superstar during his MVP, it is around-ish his MVP season. It, it, but it's stuff that, that, it's like, guys remember this stuff. You know, they, the Mavericks might do incredibly cool things around their locker room and for the community, and they do. But it's the little things that, that the agents bring up, that their friends bring up. This stuff is all Googleable, and it's really uncomfortable the more he's out there where he's talking that, oh, you know, Luca is the reason that guys will want to come play. Well, let me tell you something. There, you know, Carlisle and Cuban are just as much reasons why guys might not want to come play as Luca could be. And there's not that easy path. There's not that easy relationship of USA basketball. The the competitive respect is clearly there for Luco at a superstar level. But the, there's not, you know, outside of these guys playing Fortnite together, it's not like they're going to be able to hang out a lot because Luca goes home. He's not like Dirk. He's not working out here in the summer. There, There's just kind of an assumption of, you know, superstar gravity around Luca that, I think that our local media apparatus in Dallas would do a much better job shutting down, but it, it's just not talked about enough because it's not, it'll get there. It'll get there is, is kind of what I think. It, 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 maybe I'm being too negative because it's one thirty in the morning, but that's just, that's just <laughs> sort of where we are. You know, Zach, Zach Davari points out in the chat, the Mavericks act like we're a three seed. And that is, is kind of the summary nail on the head statement about where the Mavericks are. They play like, they behave like a team who are, who are in a different place compared to where they are. And frankly, that happens a lot. Uh, thanks for coming up. I'm going to bring up a couple more people and then I should go to bed because, uh, I have to be a parent tomorrow and my son will wake up in like five hours. Grayson, what's up? Hi, Grayson. Gotta hit the unmute. I'm betting. There we go. <laughs> hey, I didn't think I was going to talk again tonight, but this free agency talk, you guys just got my brain buzzing because it's something that I've always been so frustrated with, with just Dallas sports teams in general, is it feels like we're always getting promised or at least hyped up to get big name free agents, whether it's, you know, the Mavs and everyone saying, oh, they're going to make a Giannis run. We got to save money for Giannis. Or it's the Rangers. Remember two years ago, we're going <laughs> to sign Garrett Cole. And, and like two years, we're going to sign Trevor Story. Trevor Story's not coming here, okay? He's not. Like, I don't know what it is about Dallas, but we we just don't get free agents here. It's crazy. And you guys just – you guys were talking about free agency, and it made me think about that. Uh, so I just wanted to say that. It's always bugged me here. Well, in theory, you're getting a big-time free agent this summer whenever I move home. So that'll be the biggest Dallas acquisition Whoa. in a long time. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. So that'll, that'll be something there. Um, all right, I'm going to bring <laughs> on a couple more people, and then we're going to get out of Dodge because I should I should go soon. Saeed, what's up? Saeed, unmute yourself. Okay. All right. All right there we go. I got you. Okay. Can I go enough? <laughs> yeah. My bad. Um, no, nah, it's great. Going off with, I think, what Cuban says about the whole fact that Luca is going to draw in more players is a little outrageous for the fact that these players are the best in the world and majority of the ones that you want are alphas already in a sense. So they're going to want to come in and play 
yes, you want to play alongside someone, but you also want to play uh, as the quote-unquote best or second-best player on the team. Like, you can you can draw in players to play with you, but at the same time, you have to still woo that player in. And I think, uh, what's it called? The whole Darren Williams situation also was kind of interesting when he said that the Mavs kind of didn't have a set plan for him, which is kind of funny because after all, all, since then, they really haven't had a set plan in general of what to do. Um, and then one other thing, um, I think you said earlier how um, the Luca and KP fit when it's work when it works is pretty much perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I think what we kind of, I want to kind of push back on that because I feel like what KP, what KP hypothetically can be was perfect because at this point he kind of feels like he's more of a $35 million just a three-point shooter. Not really it's not not much of a defender. Um he's been better though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's been better, but at the same time, um I kinda wanna push back on that. And then just I guess to find him a better better partner or maybe multiple people, um over the off season, if it gets to the point where they do want to move him, maybe doing a sign and trade because I don't think you can play KP and these two players together would be trying to do a sign and trade um, with Collins and then also picking up Rashawn Holmes because I think the defense and offense combined from them two would be what we hypothetically want KP to be. Sure. Um, maybe less unicornish, for instance, but a lot more reliable. Sure. Yeah, I don't know what they do. I, I, I would. I've heard some some very specific chatter from kind of reporters that I've talked to about things that happened earlier. Because there's this notion that I believe that that apparently I'm wrong about is that sometimes teams are really interested in guys when they're at a lower value point. Um, I, you know, we all laugh that that uh, Dwight Powell was involved in in some trade chatter and it's like well what what is what is he worth but then you consider the fact that that the the achilles injuries are kind of like 18 to 24 months thing it's like a lot of teams think he could he could figure something out out in a year i mean i don't know i cert i kind of think he was bad before but you know that's either he's an analytics wonder wonder dog so it's it's just kind of it's tough. So I, I, we'll see what they do. Uh, the, how they finish the season is gonna is gonna really impact a lot. Um, oh, hey, hey, special special guest here, friend of the show, uh, Matt Moore has requested to join. You guys know Matt Moore's HP Basketball. He writes for the Action Network and loves trolling me all day long in a different Slack. Matt, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, guys? Oh, you know, it sucks. <laughs> sounds like you're going. Sounds like you're going great. Um, I just wanted to add that, yeah. So Dwight has been involved in a lot of talks, from what I've heard from around the league, that there is like a feeling that one, the contract is malleable, so you might be able to move it if you need to. Two, uh, that there is some optimism that he can recover from it. Um, the Mavs are known to be active in the market. I mean. The, the big key here is, like, I don't hear anything from the Mavericks because the Mavericks don't talk. You you guys know who the Mavericks talk to. Right. You can like, guess who that list is, and yeah. I'm not on that list. But I love that you admit that, though, because a yeah. lot of people kind of front, and it's like, guys, come on, don't do that. No. Yeah, no. Um, so, but I will say that there is a feeling around the league from other teams that they are open for business. And there's been, from my understanding, a little bit, not a little bit, a considerable amount of interest in what the Mavs have offered. Interesting. So there's some, but but are they? 
you know, this is where this stuff drives me nuts because the 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 Mavericks are very much like like uh, uh, what, what's Dan, Danny Ainge with without the we're almost there talk. They don't do that quite as much. They might do it like a year later, but they don't do it at the time. And I'm just wondering if Donnie's out there kind of waving his hands, but they're they're so restricted because when you got those two picks out there, I actually I asked Mark Stein about this on a on a locker room today where I said, you know, do you think the Mavericks ever get rid of these pick restriction type stuff because it really it, it makes things very you know teams get kind of hamstrung and then they end up being like very leveraged which can't be good right. you know if you have like it's one thing to have like the Clippers leveraged eight years out because you assume Paul George will at least keep them semi competitive for half that time but this is I don't know this it, it's a very strange thing going on where I I don't see how the Mavericks do anything but I'm also like brain dead so so what you know what do I know so if they're active that's that I mean that at least makes me a little more interested in the trade deadline. Yeah, and I mean, I think like the Matt, guys that they're after are also. I, I would not describe them as like they're not. These are not like minor moves. They're not superstars either, right? Sure. So, like, there's a range in the middle of like guys that they feel like they can that they are targeting, and they're all in the front court, which I think is is notable. Like they're not looking to swap what they have for guards or wings. Like it's very specifically for front court help. Interesting. Uh, so, so Norman dude, Powell's dude. not in this equation. Then, damn it. No, I haven't heard anything on Norm. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard anything on Norm, also, honestly, in like two weeks. No one really knows what the Raptors are doing. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Dude, is there is there anyone we should be like concerned about or that you think is funny in relation to, to what you've heard me talk about the past, You're... you know? No? Not right. Okay. Now. Not okay. right. Now, okay. Well, you know, I don't know. It's just it's you know, it's already one thirty. I figure it's like if there's anything out there that would like make me mad, you would actually you you might you'd probably take advantage of it just because it'd be funny. But you know, we only got let's see here. It's it's uh now it's Saturday morning, so we basically got six days left till the trade deadline. So so something if something's gonna happen, there's not much time left. Um, we're almost at we're basically at an hour. Matt, thank you for joining us. Um, let me see if there is anybody else that's waiting in the wings. Man, we've made it through everybody. I hope everybody feels better after uh, after some of the group therapy here. I feel better. I like talking to you guys. Um, I was I've been trying to get people to sign up for this in the sense of like I don't have anybody in my life that I talk basketball with other than my wife, and she you know gets tired of talking to me, and my five year old just really likes trying to pronounce people's names. So you know talking to real people is nice. So I, I hope you guys keep coming back. Spread the word. Uh, I'm gonna put this up in a podcast before I go to bed. So uh, all right, uh, this has been Kirk Henderson with uh, Mavs Moneyball After Dark slash live. Please go rate, review, tell your friends, and uh, we'll talk here in a couple of days. Everybody have a good Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.